All right, all right, all right. Welcome back. Welcome back to another episode of Shit Happens Podcast. Shit happens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Shit is always happening. Yeah. Uh, I am uh, one of um, your lovely co-hosts, uh, the PGH Diva, and I'm joined by my co-host. Introduce yourself. This is your girl, Lady T, over here. Welcome, Lady T. What's up? Nothing much. How's it going? You know. My new phrase is living the dream. So I'm just out here just <laughs> every day just trying to... And I don't even know what the dream is, but I'm living it. So right, it's, yeah. it's been good. <laughs> I've been cooped up in my office all day um, in meetings. And all like I can do is watch the squirrel go walk back and forth <laughs> on the, the wire, which shows you the highlights of my day, you know, good times, yeah. having fun. Well, awesome. We are excited to um, get into this episode. We're at episode five of season two. Yes, episode five. Yeah, I know. Like we've been, we've been going coasting, going through, um, you know, just talking about all the shit <laughs> that's happening on quarantine, happening uh, in life, you know, it's good stuff. So we have some good things to talk about today, Um, but before we get into that, um, just so you know, we, Shit Happens Podcast, we've been doing this for at least two years, this is year two, Um, so you can check out actually season one of Shit Happens Podcast. Um, which is now streaming on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, and SoundCloud at Shit Happens Podcast. And that's S-H exclamation point T Happens Podcast. Um, And you can also find us on some new sites. You know, when you Google yourself, you find out that your podcast is also streaming on on websites like luminarypodcast.com and iheartradio.com. So you can listen to Shit Happens Podcast there. We're everywhere. We are worldwide. <laughs> um, I don't know if anybody's listening to us anywhere else. <laughs> if I'm the only one that listens to us, I can't really say. Um, but anyways, always, 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 uh, you can follow us on social media, on Facebook and Instagram at Ish Happens Pod. And yeah, that's how you can find us. Um, so we have um, a special guest joining us today. And um, we're going to jump in to the topic of the day in just a little bit. But I want to just cue in our special guest uh, for today. Um, You know, the quarantine season has brought about um, things that, you know, maybe new opportunities or let's let's start something or create something. Our creative juices are flowing in quarantine mode. Right. And um, and so um, I think very early on. When we've all been sitting at home uh, with with much nothing to do, uh, uh, somebody, you know, there are people out there that are starting new things. And so um, our special guest is uh, Chase Patterson from I'll Say What I Want. Welcome, Chase. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you very much, ladies, for having me. The, the PGH Diva and Lady T, thank you. Yeah, no, thank you for joining us. How y'all us. going? Shit happens. I, I'm very excited about the title yeah. and the freedom <laughs> that the title gives me 
mm-hmm. to to say what I want. Absolutely, yes. absolutely. The title of, of our show. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's together. perfect. So we're we're excited that you're go- you're here with us, um, and we're definitely going to have a good discussion today. Um, but before we jump into our topic. Um, we always yeah. have our first segment of the show, which is called Check This Shit Out. And so here in this segment, we pretty much just talk about things that we think people should check out. Um, we've done TV shows, book recommendations, events, things going on. Um, obviously, over the past five weeks, we've been in quarantine mode. So we've talked about things that we've been doing, the shit that's, you know, we think people should check out in quarantine. Um, but um, the thing that I think it's time for, and it's been a few episodes since we've talked about this, um, it's time for an insecure check-in. Yes. It's time. Yes, insecure check-in. <laughs> a, a lot has happened. Um, and if you don't know what insecure is <laughs> or what we're talking about, um, insecure is a TV show. Um uh, by Issa Rae, who is just a phenomenal person. Um, and she started this show. It's in season four now. airs on HBO um, on Sundays at 10 p.m. And, um, you know, for four seasons, a lot has happened, right? So we've gone yes. through a lot of things. We've got some breakups, some makeups. Um, but it's really about, like, relationships, um, both friendships, romantic relationships, just life, like kind of navigating life in that, you know, 20s, 30s type of age range um, and just trying to figure it out, right? And, and you know, in those insecure moments that we get. But, you know, where we're finding in um, season five is the main character, um, Issa D., and um, her friend, her best friend Molly, um, have been tight. For season three, the ride or dies for each other. But season four, there's a little bit of a ripple in their relationship. And it's been interesting. Yeah. So thought we could talk a little bit about that. Now, um, Chase, have you been watching Insecure? Are you caught up? Is this a spoiler for you? No, no. I, I have never seen an episode. Really? That's, I'm not. That I, I, I'll be honest with you. I thought that it was a ladies only show. <laughs> and so from like season one, I was kind of like, no, it's important for the ladies to have their own thing. Yeah. I don't want to infiltrate their, their Sunday night entertainment. Right. Um, and so I have not watched it. I've heard it was a good show. I do like Issa Rae and her work. Um, however, I am not really familiar I'm not familiar at all with anything in the show. Okay. All right. Well, I mean, and that's and I think that that's fine. The the good thing that I love about the show is that it's relatable, right? So even yeah. if you don't watch it, like we can have conversations about the things that happen and it's relatable, right? right? So what's going on right now with these two best friends that are kind of had some some moments in their friendship where they rubbed each other the wrong way? And, well, can I ask? Is are these moments centered around uh, men? Um, or yes, just and issues just, in general. Just issues in general. I mean, uh, so one of the biggest issues is you know one friend is you know not really good at relationships, and so the other friend would like make jabs on 
her issues in relationships. There's a, you know, an ex situation going on where the one friend and her ex are like in a situation where they both know the ex's new, new girlfriend or whatever. And so they're trying to navigate that. So there's this kind of these rifts that are happening in their friendship. But this past episode, episode five, kind of like hit the nail on the head, like kind of was like the moment, the, what they say, yeah. the straw that broke broke the camel's back. Everything um, that we were waiting for up until this point. Right. Where they had, they came to blow, almost came to blows <laughs> in, um, in a situation where... Um, the one friend thought that there was a boundary that was crossed in their friendship um, as it related to this person's, you know, significant, um, other. significant other. And so yeah. what, what, what happened was that there were issues that um, I think were unt- uncommunicated about, not, you know, not communicated very well, that kind of came to head. And, you know, when you don't communicate with somebody about issues that are going on, at some point there is this moment where it it, it gets addressed, but it might not be the best time to address it. So, and, and, and Lady T, so, you know, in my prep for this episode, um, in my insecure check-in is, is Molly trash? So Molly is, a, is the best friend who... Um, is she has her own issues, she has challenges, but I'm just curious to know what you think about Molly as a friend. I just think that the whole situation probably could have been handled a lot differently. Like, yeah, Molly might have felt a way that um, Issa betrayed her friendship and like went over her head. Um, but Molly also didn't make it clear um, whether or not Issa could get to her significant other a different route. So, like, it was just, it was a lot of, like, uncertainties that mm-hmm. happened. There was a lot of, like, pointing fingers and, like, anger and frustration behind the situation. But I kind of feel like Molly also, like, Molly told Issa that she wasn't going to cross the boundary, but she never told Issa that it wasn't okay to still get in contact with him through a different route. Yeah. So, like, do you I think feel like Mo- I feel like Molly got upset about it, but, like, she also didn't clarify that she wasn't allowed to to do that still. Right. I mean, do, so do you, so if you were in that situation, do you feel like there was a boundary crossed by her asking um, the mutual friend being Nathan? I, I kind of feel like there was a boundary crossed because Molly made it very clear to Issa about how she felt about her contacting her significant other and asking him for assistance in her block party. So I do feel in that respect that there was a boundary crossed. But Molly also didn't say that she couldn't get a hold of him in other aspects. Like, she knew that Issa had still had communication with Nathan, who is roommates with Molly's significant other. Mm-hmm. So, like, if she felt like, I feel like Molly should have been more specific and said that, like, I don't want you to go about this any type of way. Like, you need to figure this out on your own. Yeah. I mean, and I and I understand what you're saying. And I think the challenge for me in this situation is that, um, one, Molly made a decision on behalf of Andrew. Yeah. And I think she made a decision spitefully by not, you know, 
Like, I think she was she was using this as a moment to teach Issa a lesson. Yeah. And it's kind of a defining moment in their friendship because this is tendencies that Molly usually has is that she's the dominant friend, that she's the friend that has it together, that it's Issa who's the disaster friend who always yeah. needs her help and she always has to solve her problems. Absolutely. And so because of that dependence and codependent relationship, I think now Molly is using this as to teach Issa a lesson. Yeah. Like I'm not going to let you get in the way of my relationship. But I I get the argument that it does cross cuz she did it's been painted that she went behind her back to do it. And I don't know if I necessarily agree with that, but I get the understanding of why that felt, you know, one would feel that and way. What, what 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 was the issue? She tried to coordinate a block party? So so the friend so Issa's character Yeah, so Issa's character is coordinating a block party. And they had a headliner set up, and this headliner canceled. The headliner was Schoolboy Q. He canceled on them, and Issa needed to find a new headliner. So she asked her friend, Molly, um, whose boyfriend works for Live Nation. And the boyfriend is also, the reason why they're even together is because the the guy that Issa was in a relationship with or had an interaction with, it was his friend. And they met in a group gathering. So Issa is the reason why Molly even knows this guy in the first place. But she said, hey, can you ask him if he can make a connection to an artist through Live Nation? And because Molly was upset at Issa about other things that had happened, she made a decision to not ask Andrew about, you know, helping Issa to get the artist, to get an artist. And but she intentionally didn't ask. Yes, yes she, she intentionally decided that she was not going to ask. She originally said, yes, I'll ask him. And then she called her back and said, hey, I just want you to know that I'm not, I decided I'm not going to ask on your behalf. And um, I, you know, I'm trying to set a boundary for my relationship because this relationship means something to me. I don't want to mess it up. So she tried to use the her setting boundaries in her with her relationship and her friendship as an excuse as to why she didn't do it. So what do you think the real reason is that she didn't do it? I think that she is trying to set establish like her dominance her, control yeah, her control of the relationship. Yes. Yes, absolutely. That's that's my she point wrote, of it. She roadblocked it. Basically, yeah. yeah. So what happened in that's the pretty- end what? I need to watch this show. This seems, it's deep. It seems like some normal, but you know what's wild? It seems like some really normal shit. Right, like, and that's what I said. It's very relatable. That's why I said even if yeah. you don't watch the show, you can hear the scenarios and be like, you know what? I had a situation that happened to me exact same way. It's you. You can easily connect it. So what ended up happening is that this, you know, the block party happened. She got a headliner, and you know everybody was celebrating. Did, did, did Molly's boyfriend help her get the headliner or she got it on her own? So what hap- What was found out after the fact was that Issa talked to the guy who she originally was dealing with who, who knew Andrew is how they met and, and asked, asked told him. him and he asked him. Yeah. So it was and still... And it got done. Yes, and it got right, done. It so it was done. still the boyfriend that helped but she went around and asked... Molly, yeah. Around Molly's request and asked 
the other yeah, person. Way to skin a cat. You know, you know what? Yeah. So, so, Molly, so now Molly's swole. So yeah. So Molly's Issa big mad done. now. So she confronts Issa at this event, like while the, the event at was the ending. Event? Like at yeah, the event. yeah. At the oh, event. Oh. While her friend was like, she knew her friend, like this was the first event that this ever person ever put together. It was a highlight moment in her life. She went at the event, confronted her about it. They got into a art, like a shouting match and it almost like came to blows. That's not cool. Right. So this is, this goes back to the question, is Molly trash? (laughs) Is she a trash friend? Here's... There's something that's, I think Molly's behavior sounds trash like, mm-hmm. but there's something deeper here with Molly that she's not going to help her friend execute a block party. Mm-hmm. Like that's, there's something deep that if I was Issa, I don't know her character's name, it's but still I was just Issa. like, you know what? I'm cool off you champ. Yeah. I'll see you. I'll see you at the class reunion or down at Arts or something. Yeah, like somewhere else, <laughs> somewhere down the road. I mean, and I think that is the that is the issue, and and I think what a lot of people have been talking about since this episode. And I don't want to spend you know too too much time talking about this, um, but you know a lot of people. The issue that a lot of people have had about this episode was one the timing, like that her. Um, her frustration about the situation like happened during the block party it caused like for a mass like disperse of people because somebody shouted oh they got somebody got a gun and right or knife and then this whole thing happened so it kind of ruined the ending of it um and it obviously caused this rift between these two yeah, these two friends yeah. who are really the centerpiece of this show um yeah. And so it, it just it's it's sparked a lot of conversation, but I think you know as we get older and you know our relationships change and we meet new people and we you know disconnect with old people, it's just it it it's very telling to how we view one another in our relationships. Yeah, you know, absolutely. and there, is there that codependency in the relationship where I'm the messy one and you're the one, you're the savior of the friendship? You know, those different types of dynamics that can can sometimes sever friendships. Mm-hmm. I I saw something the other day that said just because we don't, um, just because we're not friends anymore doesn't make us enemies, right? Right. Like, we have to acknowledge that we grow out of relationships and sometimes out of an innate desire to to remain loyal Mm -hmm. we hold on to things that are not helpful or healthy to us and shit turns out like molly and Issa's situation where you got a fantastic event Mm -hmm. that went completely left over one thing and that's who's going to ask this fella Mm -hmm. to help me execute my yeah absolutely yeah yeah it's interesting and and like i said we can spend the whole episode really talking about this but we won't but i think it's just again a telling moment that one shit happens (laughs) right um in our friendships in our you know you know endeavors when we're trying to do something great and somebody comes along and just dampers the moment um and and so I think there's you know there's much to be said about that relationship, but I'm interested to see how it will progress um, in the next five episodes. 
Um, you know, will they come back to a place where they can, you know, have a healthier friendship and address some of those issues? So it'll be interesting. So, um, well, moving on. And so if, again, if you guys, um, don't watch or if not familiar, Insecure comes on every Sunday, uh, 10 o'clock HBO. And, um, it's about 10 episodes. We're at episode, we're going into this Sunday at episode six. Um, so we're about halfway through the season and, um, check it out. If, if you're not familiar with it, it's a, it's a good show. Relatable. Um, so the other thing that I think we all should check out, um, is, you know, the reason why our, um, host, one of the reasons why our um, special guest host is with us. Uh, so Chase, I wanted to give you the spotlight to talk a little bit about, um, I'll say what I want. Well, thank you. Um, I'll say what I want is what we are calling a talk show, um, that was established by, um, three cousins and a friend. I'm the friend and the three cousins are, also very good friends of mine. We've we've known each other for a very long time. And we often would have guys nights um, or just even when we got together in an an unformal or an informal way, um, our conversations would go hours and hours. And so when COVID struck, um, we could not do what was therapy for us. And, and, and that really is what it all boils down to is that if you go to therapy or if you've been to therapy, the expectation is that you say what you want to say mm-hmm. so that the therapist can give you th- the advice that is best for you to advance yourself uh, out of whatever your issue is. Mm-hmm. And so our our desire is to come together on specific subjects and and ideas and theories and to just express our opinions in a way that for us is very different than what we used to do. What we used to do was in the barber shop or in somebody's crib. Now we are live on Facebook having these conversations and prepping for them you've got to forgive the dog um (laughs) and prepping for them um every tuesday so it's actually what was therapy is now work because (laughs) yeah Yeah. it's like you know we we want we want to produce good shows but what we're what we've also realized is that um the the perspective that we're coming from is like as the most endangered species, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Four black men getting on Facebook Live and and pretty much having a conversation about any any topic, honestly and transparently. Yeah. For a lot of black people in general, black men in particular, it is not easy to just be blatantly honest because of the consequences or the repercussions that you may assume or perceive will, will come about as a result of your, your candor. Mm-hmm. And so we are, we are unsure yet whether there will be consequences of our conversation, mm-hmm. but we do know that one of the positive outcomes is that we've had really great, great conversations and we've engaged other folks into our conversations that otherwise would not have been. Um, 
So please, if you're out there, uh, for those of you that are listening, please tune in every Thursday at 9 o'clock. Uh, I'll say what I want on Facebook Live. That's awesome. Yeah, I've been tuning in since, I think, since you guys started it. And, and I love it. I, I literally make time Thursday nights. Like, I carve out that time. Like, I get everything done before 9 o'clock. And then I just, like, chill out, listen, you know, internet, surf. Yeah, and, and we it's appreciate awesome. it. You know, there there are a lot of folks that are that have been watching since the first show, and and you know we're not we're certainly not doing it for the likes or the views. Mm-hmm. Although it's hard not to look at the bottom line, right? Mm-hmm. You want to know are people watching? Are people listening? Yeah, do people and, even care? Um, yeah, and and are we effective in in what it is that we're trying to do? And that's really give voice to people who who have traditionally and historically not had a voice mm-hmm. in 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 major and normal people right mm-hmm. not not like your msnbc and and all those folks but normal people who who have access to information and and have opinions yeah. so we're we're really happy we're going on episode nine next week. We're going to do wow. 10 episodes and then take a, a two week break and then come back and do another 10. That's great. Yeah. I appreciate it too. Um, and it's definitely going to feed well into, um, our, our topic of the day conversation. But, um, what I really do appreciate is, um, the, the realness of the, you know, the conversation, um, and that it's not like a, just rehearsed thing even if you've prepped talk about things what you're going to talk about is different but um that it's very natural and you know interactive um the conversation I appreciate and I and it and it makes me think of like when we started shit happens um it really was this kind of like goal for my personal like in my personal life of like wanting to find an outlet to express myself Right. Because I, I didn't really feel like I had a space where I can just like say what I want and just Absolutely. share like yeah. I have all these crazy like shit situations that happen. And like, where's the space that I can talk about that and that, you know, I can interact with other people. And, and actually, when I originally um, wanted to start this, it came from um, like a conversation I was having with a coworker, a, a former coworker, and we were on Marco Polo, and we were sending videos back, messages back and forth to each other. And every time I would get on, I'd be like, "Today on shit happens, this crazy thing," and then I would proceed to talk about whatever crazy circumstance that happened that day. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and I was like, man, I should start a podcast. And my friend was like, I'll do it, but I don't want to be on video. And I was like, well, I mean, a podcast is usually just your voice. Yeah. You know, I mean, people record themselves, too. But for the most part, a podcast is like a radio show type sort of thing. And um, and then, you know, we talked about maybe doing it together, but it didn't work out. But I brought the idea um, to my sister and that's kind of where it started it was like hey like I got shit to talk about too like let's do it um and what I've loved about doing our show is that we have co-hosts on and you know guests and things on the show and it's just we always get these different perspectives and actually Chase you're the own second male that we've had on the show in all of the episodes that we've done 
So that Who I think was the that's first? My, the first was our brother. Our brother, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So our brother he joined us um a couple episodes ago this season. But the whole first season we had all all women uh, guests on the show. So it's c- cool because we wanted uh, we wanted male perspective, and I think the conversation we're going to have today is definitely good for anybody. Um, but so it's exciting to have like different people on and get their perspectives. So, well, I'm looking forward to the conversation. Yeah. So and and so let's get into that. But before we do, um, it just don't don't forget check out I say what you I'll say what I want. Sorry. Um, Thursdays, 9 p.m. on Facebook Live. You can look them up. Um, great conversation. Um, but if you have any events, a new book, a TV show, or movie, anything you want us to check out, be sure to send us your suggestions um, at shithappenspodcast at gmail.com. That's shithappenspodcast at gmail.com. Awesome. So, the topic of the day... Here we go. Um, topic of the day. <laughs> topic of the day. Usually yeah. we're we're really excited about the topic of the day. Um and I am excited about it as well, but this this topic I think is um I don't know, it's a little heavy. It's a little on the heavy side, but hopefully we can, you know, bring some life to it. Um but, you know, being in being home and in quarantine um, for the most part, I spend a lot of time on the computer, obviously, just for work and other things. Um, but I find it interesting. I mean, obviously, we know um, uh, for for decades, um, you know, the battle that we that we go through as um, as black people. Um, it's, it's a struggle and um, there's a lot that comes with this conversation, um, when it comes to being black in America. And, um, in season one, we did an episode, um, uh, called black girl pain. And it was just being what it's like to be a black woman in America. And that conversation, we always knew there was supposed to be a part two to that conversation. Um, and I think this kind of, um, is timely, um, as it might be, it's a good time to to revisit the conversation of not just being a black woman, but being black in America. Um, and um, and so that's kind of our topic for the day. Um, and I, I really wanted to to start off the conversation. You know, I'm reading, um, and in the past couple of weeks, there have been two specific instances um, where um, you know these viral based videos have come out about the you know the the murders um of um really innocent black black people and so i wanted to spark that convert the conversation off about that we're talking about being black in america what you know what has been your connection or even just your emotion or feeling behind you know all the things that have happened recently and that have have been going on when it comes to being a black person? Oh, I mean, I just think there's challenges in general that we face that I feel like other people don't face um, already because we are black in America. And um, it's just the the struggles and the um, harassment that we face 
can is it is a daily thing for some for some people and i just feel like it's not right um and especially with right now like the fact that a lot of us have to like our new normal at the moment is like wearing masks and everything and what even even that is a struggle because you know we're still facing um ridicule and um discrimination even with having the mask on like we're automatic we're already we're already targeted without the mask on, but now it's even more so an issue because we do have this mask on. Um, and so I just think like we're public enemy number one in general, but even more so currently because now they're using that as an, another form of harassment to harass us because we are, we're wearing masks or we're not wearing masks for that matter. Um, I've seen several articles and things like people are being like body slammed in, in grocery stores and stuff for not wearing masks. And, um, and, and I mean, it's a very scary time for everybody, but like people are processing things differently. So like to, to target one person or like point out one person because they're not doing something different or they're not doing what everybody else is supposed to be doing. Like it's, it's just a lot, like even seeing all of these videos of everything that's been going on. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's really disheartening. I mean, just watching the videos of the video what happened with um, Ahmad Arbery, you know, I, the fact that it was even filmed. That I mean, it just it's just so. It it hurts to my core to see that, but also the the first the the first question that I have is like, you know what are we going to do about this? I mean, and we've been fighting for years. These aren't, these aren't new, new battles that we're fighting. And so like, what, what is it that sometimes there's this hopelessness of like, what is it that can really be done to address these types of, these types of brutal experiences? Absolutely. Um, Chase, I'd love to hear your perspective on this because I think even just in, you know, in your show, you guys have talked, you talk a lot about this, um, you know, this, to- this topic in-, in general, just even by the four base of your, your show of these, you know, four black men coming together and just even having conversation. I'd love to know your thoughts. Yeah. So, you know, not only, Am I a black man? And, and the show that we produce is for black men. The three of us have sons. Mm. And, um, you know, every time this conversation comes up, my mind just immediately goes to if we just live together as black people in mm. our own communities and didn't have to jog in a white neighborhood, didn't have to shop in a white neighborhood. Yeah didn't have to bank in a white neighborhood. Now, I'm not saying that the centers of our cities, like downtown, should not be diverse. Or, and I believe in diversity. Mm-hmm. Um, strongly encourage it. And I, But but the, the success of any diversity initiative is around inclusion. And if you, if you, and inclusion is giving someone the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Right? Um, and being respectful of 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 just human beings, mm-hmm. and so when I when I look at what um, what what happened to to Ahmad, it's like this is happening every day. 
Yeah. Things are happening every single day. And so what I'm thinking is, what am I going to tell my son? Yeah. Like, literally today I'm thinking as I'm driving, I'm like, if my son were to be stopped by the police, what, what would I, how would I tell him to behave? To behave? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I've been pulled over before, and the first thing I did was turn my car off, take the keys out of the ignition, put them on the dashboard, and put both of my hands out of the window. Yeah. It, it was like... Yeah. Boom, like like, like an instinct. And, and the cop comes up to the window, what, what are you doing? I don't want any mistakes, sir. Yeah. And, do you have any weapons? No, I don't have any weapons. Mm-hmm. But I don't want you to think that anything in here is a weapon. So here are my hands. And yeah. this is you how we're going to start this game. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it's just, it's fucked up that, that, that black people in particular, and, and I want to talk really about the justice system because I think that, that it is the most perverted system in American society that exists right before the education system. Mm -hmm. Um, Because it is not honest. It is not true. It expects everyone else to be honest and true. But the system by nature of its design does not allow for innocence until proven guilty. Right. How's that possible if, if two white men both who have, have, have been engaged in law enforcement can't give this black man the benefit of innocence. Right. The, the, the jump to the conclusion that, oh, you, you're running, so that must mean you did something wrong. Right. Right. With, you don't have a bag. Mm-hmm. You, you got on jogging shorts. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's just, it's, it's so bizarre, and, it, and it's scary, and I... Um, I think on the other sh- on the show that I that I said the other day, like I, I don't necessarily really feel comfortable around white people. Yeah, that's not my fault though, mm-hmm. right? It's their fault. It's, yeah, it's the fact that they, they don't challenge rigorously enough these people who represent their culture. Absolutely. You know, you got these two white dudes who killed his brother, who's not armed, nothing. And and I personally, I didn't know about it. It happened in February. I didn't know about it until the video came out. Yeah. Well, and I think that was the issue with a lot of people. A lot of people didn't know about it mm-hmm. for for months until a video was released. But the same thing with um, the other girl, Brianna Taylor. Yeah, Brianna Taylor. Like the same thing. Hers happened a couple months ago as well. And because now the video or now people are making a big deal about it, like it's now being released for people to even express concern and frustration about like what happened. Yeah. I think like, that's they're, they're withholding these stories. Right. There's this, yeah, there's this, you know, retainment of information. And I think that's what's scary to me is that you don't, you know, what happens if, you know, this video had never gone viral and it never gotten out to the public for people to push and fight for it to happen. Why is it that we had to wait until that happened in order, you know, for, for even for the men to be arrested? I mean, they haven't even gone to trial or anything like that. So we don't even know how this is going to end. But I think the, the biggest challenge is that you know, things can happen behind closed doors, so to speak. And unless it's, you know, uncovered and, and light is shed on it, it could have been 
you know, swept under the rug. It could have been protected by, you know, whatever reasons. And and I think that's the scariest part. It's the disrespect that comes to the bodies of black people, to the, to the, to, to that we're not seen as human beings enough that you can't just ask me, Hey, like, you know, hi, how are you today? Like, you know, there's times where I'm, you know, I'm walking home or walking into my house and there's a group of, you know, young people walking down the street or even a a person walking down the street. And I always speak. They're unfamiliar, right? Because I have a very quiet street that I live on. I, the people I see the, even barely see the people I live on the same street as me but you know Mm -hmm. the people who live in my general you know area I see on a you know on a regular basis and so when I see people that I know are coming from you know from the street up the street and going towards another direction will always just speak yeah like even if it makes me uncomfortable or if I'm not certain and I'm not saying that you walking down the street equals you're like up to no good but it's just that seeing people as human beings enough to just say hey how are you today or you know wave or whatever why is it that you have to think or assume that i'm a criminal that i'm not up to no good have have you seen the show um uh black as fuck on netflix yes i did watch it crazy (laughs) so so at the each episode is named right and mm-hmm. so the first episode i think was named because of slavery mm-hmm. okay. and then the next episode was named because of slavery too and then the next episode was yep this one's also because of slavery mm-hmm. <laughs> like the, the reality is that whether you're black or white or in between mm-hmm. all of this is a direct result of slavery Mm. all of it this idea that the attorney general can decide that a man who pled guilty twice Mm -hmm. in front of a black judge is no longer guilty and just says and i'm talking about mike flynn now Mm -hmm. right so the attorney general says oh mike flynn we're dismissing the charges against you he already pleaded guilty Right. <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah. And, and and then and but you're the attorney general. You're supposed to respect justice. The judge made his decision. It's a black judge. And so now you're saying, Judge, your decision really doesn't matter. So <laughs> yeah. you know what he did? The black judge said, Okay, well, I'm gonna go get a white for former white judge who's gonna argue why what I did was right. Yeah. And then I'll decide if I'm gonna throw your case out or not. I mean but but that's that's the the, the arrogance mm-hmm. that comes from a people who enslaved for the purpose of building wealth. Yeah. And then abused their their own property mm. for 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 arrogance and selfish reason. All of that is is trickling down. The same trauma that we are experiencing post traumatic slave syndrome there's post-traumatic slave owner syndrome too. Mm, yeah. Wow. Like, yeah. They, they, they behave, they being many white people, I won't say most and I won't say all, but many white people, particularly white men, 
who are in positions of influence and power or are not in positions of influence and power mm-hmm. and are envious of the fact that black people have access to power and influence that they might otherwise not have. Mm-hmm. Um, th- those guys that I'm describing are the ones that are on the front line, mm-hmm. yeah. not realizing that they're being manipulated by the ones in the ivory tower. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Hmm. So it, it, it just, it, 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 it blows my mind all the time. And, you know, in my space, I see black children every single day, mm-hmm. 314 of them every single day. And I raise a black son every yeah. single day. And I'm just thinking to myself, what type of world do they deserve other than a world that is centered around their culture, mm-hmm. around love, care and compassion? And if that means that they don't see white people for the first six or seven years of their lives, okay. Mm, if, yeah. if white folks look like aliens to you by the time you get to middle school, fine. Because yeah. in actuality, most many white people are aliens to black people. Yeah. The same way we are aliens to them. I mean, it's yeah. interesting. Um, several years ago, um, when I, I used to work at a university and um, I went to the retirement party of a coworker and um, is a white coworker. And so we're at her, her party and her, I guess her niece um, had a baby and she was holding the baby. And, you know, my natural reaction when I see children is like, oh, like it's a baby. And, you know, like, hey, how are you? And the baby was like reaching out for me and like really like pleasant. And the um, niece of my coworker said, wow, it's so interesting her reaction to you. I think you might be the first black person that this baby has ever interacted with. And wow. she wasn't certain how that was going to play out because this baby had never, you know, and the baby is probably like, you know, a little less than a year, maybe a year. But to know that this baby had never even <laughs> interacted with a black person before, I mean, I think, and that shock of like, oh, this actually went well. And I think, like you said, like, you know, if, I think to be able to have those experiences where you raise children up that they they may never interact with somebody that doesn't look like them. And yeah. to me, like, that might be better. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, 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 and to just protect so, them. Just so I couch this right. What, I, what, I'm, what I'm meaning when I say this is, is designed to protect mm-hmm. the psyche, mm-hmm. the emotionality, yeah. and, and the ambition of black children. Yeah. Because those three things are absolutely critical yeah. to the, the, the choice that you make when you get to the fork in the road as to which direction you go with your life. Yeah. Um, and when they are tainted by an invisible giant um, who oppresses your, your psyche, who oppresses your love for yourself, who oppresses whether they know they're doing it or not right like if you're teaching in a public school system right now and you're not finding a way to teach about black people and infuse black people into your instruction Mm -hmm. whether your class is all black or or not 
you're not only failing the black students, but you're failing the white students too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is give them an opportunity. Know. So my question for you then is, what do you say? How, how do you educate your children on what what is really going on in this world? Because you know it's it's scary. I I often feel like I did not obviously. You know, when we look at the perspective of the educational system, you know, black history is not taught outside of the 28 and every four years, 29, you know, days of of February. And I think sometimes I feel most like it took me a long time to to be able to connect and and even feel confident about who I am as a black woman because I felt like I didn't know my history the way that I should have known my history and so how do you and especially with everything that's going on now how do you have those conversations with your son how do you have you know how do those conversations happen with this generation of of black children who who really are experiencing the things that are similar to what were experienced you know you know in the in the sixties, in the fifties and the sixties where where this was um you know, the 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 treatment and the cruelty of black people were really at its highest peaks. Yeah. So the the best way that I can describe this is showing up to a gunfight with a knife. Okay. Right? So if you know that there's a ton of misinformation information about black people, about black history, about black culture, about our our level of intelligence, our level of sophistication, all of these things. Right? If you know that there's misinformation in that space, then it's your duty to provide all of the real information at or above the level that the misinformation is provided. Or you restrict the ability for the misinformation to to come in right and so for my son there's very little room for the misinformation to get in and then he's reinforced by what he sees with his mother and I and his family and his school and and all of the great blackness that happens around him and I don't even think he understands yet black white all of that but he certainly understands that he's great. Yeah. And so that's 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 the resistance. That's the gun that you got to bring to this is greatness, brother, greatness, sister, greatness, they, greatness, we, whatever it is, mm. you are great. It's in you. It's innate. And let me tell you where it came from. Let me tell you how you got it. And then you start having conversations about the kings and the queens. And you've got to acknowledge we weren't always that good to ourselves either. Yeah. Right? So so all of the, those things are true. Now, here's one thing, and I'm kind of digressing for a minute because one of, um, one of the brothers on the show said it, I think last week, and he said that the black-on-black crime discussion or argument is so misconstrued because you kill the people that you're around. Mm. Oh if yeah. If you're if you're only around black people, you're going it's to not like you're people. going out to Upper St. Clair to kill people mm. because <laughs> you don't have no beef with anybody in Upper St. Clair. 
yeah. Yeah. you have is usually around you. Yeah. And and it feeds into a lack of communication and knowing how to properly deal with issues, right? So to me, that's like a lot of what happens when we talk about that, you're around the people. So if you have an issue with the person down the street and you live in a black, predominantly black neighborhood, obviously that person is going to be black. You have an issue and you're not dealing with that issue in a productive way that would allow y'all to just sit down and talk about it rather than shoot first, ask questions later. Yeah. And yeah, and I think this this continues to happen. I know even just recently, just in our own city, um, there was a young man who was gunned down. There's a couple young men who were gunned down this week in the city of Pittsburgh, um, and one in Wilkinsburg, um, to be specific. And and to me, it's just it's such a disheartening thing because yes, again, you know, are we're trained and conditioned to say, oh, this is black on black crime, but because we are put, you know, populated and fixated in an area where it's majority black people and, and it's poor people and it's people who are just trying to, to live and survive. And, you know, we forced them into this space. And, um, so I think, uh, you know, there's a lot to be said to that. And one thing that I was, um, you know, thinking because, you know, because of these, these, two specific circumstances with uh, both Ahmaud uh, Arbery and Breonna Taylor that have come up recently. Um, I was um, I was actually watching a church service this week um, from a church in this in the area and uh, what the um, pastor preached on was specifically about this the other pandemic that's mm-hmm. happening right now that other pandemic being racism and you know what we're dealing with in in this America and so my question i, I guess for the group is you know what role does um religion um or even just spirituality play in um you know this conversation about you know blackness and and and, and being in America during this time Well, for me, I, I also watched that sermon, and it was phenomenal. And I watched my own service, Monterey um, Baptist Church, and this week's theme was there are no acceptable losses. You're wrong. And I, I feel like we have to, we as a community, and in particular the church, yes. has to acknowledge that it is the only entity that can withstand the attack of white America if it in fact decides to stand up Mm -hmm. on behalf of black America to say there are no acceptable losses. There should not be a pastor in a pulpit on the week, on the Sunday after a black man is murdered and not speak that brother or sister's name mm-hmm. not pray for that brother or sister's family if there if there are in fact no acceptable losses then we have to acknowledge that we've got to protect against the losses that we are that we are taking um so to answer your question in short um pgh diva yeah. is that there is no 
organization that is better positioned to defend our community than mm-hmm. the black church. Yeah, and I, and I appreciate that you sh- you share that because you know I just think back on um, you know the times of you know Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and you know the role that the church played in the civil rights movement, mm-hmm. and um, and I don't know. And I don't know if I see that completely, um, you know, always, but I think more, all the more now, um, I think there's power in knowing, obviously spiritual people and, and, you know, I think black people have relied on spirituality to get them through many of struggle, right? Absolutely. You know, there's not a, there's not a praying grandma in the city, you know, who, you know, you can't call grandma up and say, you know, like, you know, I need a prayer <laughs> and, you know, and she's not going hard for you, um, in church. And, and I think, um, you know, we see that in the black community often is our reliance. I mean, even during this time, right. Our reliance on our spirituality to get us through the hardest of times. But I just feel, um, I think it's, it's almost time for us to, you know, um, almost kind of mount up, (laughs) um, so to speak, when it comes to the fight that is going to have to happen. And I, I just, I can't go, it's hard to not go back to, you know, the civil rights movement. I, I feel like the things that, the things that we're fighting for, the same, same things that our ancestors have been fighting for. For for years and and the people so who have right, come before so us, today. absolutely, and, and and it's and it's unfortunate. And so, like, what can we be doing? What should we be doing to really ensure that our lives matter? I mean, I think we it's hard to not sh- we can't shout any louder, you know. And and, and to me, um, you know, I asked that question of like, what what is the solution? What do we need to be doing? How do we need to be supporting one another? I think it's so hard. Um, you know, we've had conversations about, you know, the supporting of black businesses and and, and things of that nature and, and just lifting black people up because they're so it's it's so painted that we are against each other instead of Absolutely, yeah. celebrating how we support one another and how we work together with one another. Well, but I think that's also the issue, too, is there we're portrayed a lot of the times that we don't support each other and that we're against each other and that. Um, especially when it comes to the news and things like that, like you're always seeing in the news about, um, you know, somebody being killed or somebody, you know, when it comes to us black people, we're fighting against each other. So they're like, oh, well, we'll, we'll continue to create this rift in this, in this culture and this, and, you know, and let them do our work for us, essentially, like let them be the ones that destroy themselves instead of us being the ones that come together and band together as a united front and a united force to really get the things that we need done. Like I even think of what this, uh, you know, Ahmaud Arbery situation, like how many um, black celebrities have joined together to make sure that there was somebody um, like trying this case that was worthy of it. So I believe there's a, there's a black judge that's going to be like, trying the case for Armand Arbery, you know, like somebody that'll fight for us and, and be the defense of us. Um, and not just as a pre-appointed person that one knows nothing about the situation might already have biases against black people. But now it's like, now we're having somebody 
fighting for us and being a voice for us and like giving this case a fair trial. Now, if this this black person trying this black woman trying the ca- the case finds you know like that these people or these you know these two white men are not worthy of like what they did then that's going to be a whole nother issue mm-hmm. um just because you know us black people are going to feel like she's siding with the white people so i'm sure she'll get some backlash from that but like even with like everything that's going on like just even having a reliable source for us and somebody that's going to fight for us and in, in, in a time like this and going to be the voice for us as a whole like black community is going to speak more than just appointing a regular white judge to the situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, um, I mean, there's much to this conversation and I know the angle that we wanted to kind of move towards, um, you know, in a, I guess a part two in this particular sense me, it's like part three, um, is just talking about the role that, um, that that white privilege plays in this but you know that's a conversation for for another time because <laughs> we could spend a lot of time on that too mm-hmm. um but you know I just think that um you know there's much to 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 be said um even just about this topic and I think that's why we wanted to have this conversation um and and even just when we talk about you know the health and the well-being of black people you know and we talk about what's going on presently with covid-19 and and that you know black people are dying you know disproportionately you know be, and and, it, and it's already because of the systems and the things the way that things were set up beforehand so it's expected mm-hmm. that this not be a win for us yeah. Um, and that, you know, I was, you know, watching something that was like almost that hope that like, what if, what if, you know, black people were immune to this, this whole time, you know, like, you know, that hope that we would have been immune to it. And it had been like, it made sense for why we went through the things that we suffered through, you know, mm-hmm. all these years for us to come to this moment and it, we'd be immune to it and we're not immune to it. And, and, and in fact, you know, we're dying more. Um, because of how the systems and structures are already set up. And this is a conversation that we got in, you know, in the last episode um, when it came to, you know, being a black woman in, in, in in America and and how that relates to, you know, you know, maternal health and, and, um, and, and immortality and morbidity. I always have a hard time with those words. Um, But, um, but yeah, I think, you know, you know, there's a there's much to be said on this, and I, I think this is the start of it. So, well, um, unless anybody has any final words or thoughts about the conversation, um, we can definitely move on to our final segment of the show. Um, and if you have any topics that you would like us to discuss, um, definitely email us shit happens podcast at gmail.com. That shit happens podcast at gmail.com. And now it's time to sip to the shit. Sip to the shit. This is our final segment of the show um, where we just, you know, speak on the takeaways from our conversation and, and what we talked about today um, and, and just sip to that shit. So, uh, Lady T, would you like to, to go first? Sure, I'll go first. Um, my, my takeaway really from this topic, um, at least what we discussed so far, is just 
um, preserving like our blackness and preserving our health and, you know, being there to um, fight the good fight for one another and like finding a way to band together and be supportive of one another so that it's not always so much like black violence and, you know, um, us against one another, but we need to, you know, just support each other more and be there as an encouragement for one another and, and just band together in this time, especially. Awesome. Well, thanks. I'll sip to that. Sip, sip, sip. Cheers to that. Hey, Chase, do you got anything for our sip to the shit? Yeah, I mean, first, thank you both Lady T and the PGH Diva for having me on. It's really been a, a good show and, and great conversation. Uh, my takeaway is that I really need to um, watch Insecure. Um, <laughs> it's an important and, takeaway. You know, I can leverage my, my quarantine in a way that allow me to get completely caught up yeah so, um I'm, I'm gonna get to that asap awesome sounds good to me well that's good look at you learning and growing <laughs> sip to that i'll sip to that i got that much shit left in my glass so <laughs> um well i think my my takeaway um from this show is that there's a lot of work that needs to be done and um that's the reality of it um they say that history repeats itself and um i think it's apparent to me that history is like all up in this um present moment and i think um one thing that i learned and and this is really just you know in the past several years is really just to um be secure in my my identity and how mm-hmm. I identify and um you know I think at times I've thought about how scary it is to be a black woman um during this time and um and so for me I try to remember um my ancestors and those women who have come before me and what they have fought for and then try to do my you know hold my place um and, and and do my due diligence and and being um a woman who who continues on the legacies of so many um in the fight and so um you know just as a takeaway is just you know being secure in who I am and and Absolutely. as difficult as it is playing my playing my part and I think it's so important you know as we talk about you know how we show up in this space um you know I want to be someone who 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 fights on behalf of other people. So I think, you know, that's it's a it's a tough subject to 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 discuss and and feel like I really um that there's victory <laughs> in the conversation, but I think um there's hope in this conversation that, you know, hope will 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 change and I think as we continue to fight for 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 one another, um you know, just hope that it, it'll be different someday. So I'll um, sip to that. That's that's what I got. That, absolutely. Awesome. Uh, well, thank you, thank you, thank you so much, Chase, for joining us. Um, thank you. This was great. Uh, we definitely appreciate you. Um, if any shout outs, shout out social media, your show, anything you want to yeah, share before I you... mean, 
the show is I'll Say What I Want. Uh, my social media is at Kang, K-A-N-G underscore Chase, T-H-A-S-E. Uh, Twitter is at K-Chase Patterson. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, we um, are excited to to follow you, and y'all you know, just definitely be tuning into the show um, as you guys continue to do it. I think it's awesome. You know, we we one of the things that we really love about doing our show is is how we um, support one another, and we definitely love supporting um, other people who are doing the things that that they want to be doing and saying what they want. So. Um, and so as we close out, um, definitely tune in, uh, once again, season one on Apple podcast, Stitcher, Google play SoundCloud at shit happens podcast. That's shit happens podcast. S H exclamation point T happens podcast. Um, and for our last word, uh, quote of the day, Um, is a quote by Martin Luther King and that says uh, let us all hope that the dark clouds of racial prejudice will soon pass away and that in some not too distant tomorrow the radiant stars of love and brotherhood will shine over our great nation with all their um, (laughs) I knew I was going to have a hard time with this word scintillating beauty (laughs) So the words of Martin Luther King um, sit with us in our hearts um, and, you know, that he had hope and he had a dream. And I, and I hope that I feel like we've in a lot of ways we've met that dream, but there's still so much work um, left to do. So with that, that's our show for the day. Thank you, ladies. Thanks so much. Shit happens. It happens. It happens. All right. Thanks, day. guys. Thank <laughs> you.